Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hello everyone, I seem to be getting more English with every episode. I think I've said that for the last 10 episodes, but anyway, I digress. Welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, one of my long-standing ambitions has been to write a book, and I'll be completely honest, most entrepreneurs and business people that I speak to have the same ambition. The trouble is, Where the heck do you start? I'll be honest, I don't know where to start. Of course, you'd throw ideas around and so on and so forth, but you don't actually know where to start. And that's the issue that we're going to define, challenge and conquer. More specifically, not only where you should start, but how you can start to think about a book, how you can put everything in place to start creating and also get through the publishing stage. I'm really looking forward to digging into this. And joining me today to help me conquer this issue is someone who has been the author and the co-author of eight books, a multi-award winning international speaker, an author, a thought leadership strategist, and an entrepreneur, of course. So it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome to the show from the book with Midwife and Panoma Press, Mindy Gibbons-Klein. How are you, Mindy? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. You're very welcome. I couldn't seem to put my teeth in the right way while I was saying that introduction. It was, uh, it seemed to, I felt like my granddad when I was a kid, he could never get his words out on an evening. You did <laughs> great. You did really well. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. We, uh, yeah, I'm glad I said the company name right as well in the pre-interview chatter. I got it wrong and I feel terrible about that, but we got it right this time. <laughs> we got it right. <laughs> so Mindy, speaking of the companies, tell us a little bit about the book Midwife and Panoma Press. What is it that you guys do? Okay, so we help entrepreneurs uh, define and plan and write and publish and launch their best book. Uh, that's what we do. It takes two companies to do it because the Book Midwife is a coaching company where we get the book from ideas running around in your head to finished manuscript. And Panoma Press is a proper publishing company where we actually publish and launch and market and sell those books. Oh, wow. So that's that's a complete end-to-end job then I like that idea and I think you know certainly having that connection with you specifically Mindy I guess throughout the entire process that must make such a difference to people. Uh, Well they say so Um, I I try not to uh, to be too influential in the business they they say that you've got to step out of the business uh, every now and then and ultimately you know you have to make sure the business is not too dependent on you but I am the founder and I'm quite proud of what we've achieved. And I, you know, while I'm around in the business, I'm going to be very involved and you know, help people as much as I can. Yeah, I love that. I think it's, you know, you, you see this kind of idealism where you can remove yourself from the business. And from a business perspective, it is really important that the business can sustain itself without you. But having said that, if you've got the passion for it, why the heck would you not get involved in what you love? So I, I completely buy into that. And let's talk about your journey publishing. Where did you start with your first book? What was that journey like for you? Well, I always enjoyed writing and I, I did essays and I entered competitions and all this kind of thing. I even won a competition once when I was 12, I think I was. And uh, I've always enjoyed writing and I always thought I would write books, but again, didn't know where to start. I was exactly like you at one point. And then something significant happened in my life. A dear friend of mine uh, fell down a flight of stairs and hit his head. And 
developed epilepsy and struggled with that for uh, quite a while and all sorts of things happened from there. Uh, he ended up doing something that we never thought about and never expected, and which is he took his own life. And uh, that was, you know, really a defining moment in my life. Uh, within a year, I just knew I had to write about it. And so it wasn't a question of, you know, oh, I don't know, and I'm scared. And I just, I had to tell the story. It took me a long time to write it. I kept going over it. I kept doubting myself, kept sending it out, getting rejections. Uh, I'm going to do the very short version because this is a full 45-minute keynote at times. <laughs> but um, the, the real uh, benefit that I got was the benefit of experience and learning how not to do it because it took me 10 years to finally see the book in print. Uh, and, you know, I just didn't want other people to go through that. Too many people wanted to get their book out there and I knew I could help them do it a lot faster. Wow, 10 years. Well, let's let's talk about that process because I, I would imagine so many people are um, worried about that. I know that's something that would really concern me, first of all, not knowing where to turn. So what was it like in those early days, specifically around your own personal journey, you know, the barriers that you perhaps faced mentally with the kind of confidence with the book, actually putting pen to paper. What was that like for you in the really early days? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. It was a confidence issue. You know, if you're doing anything you've never done before, like the first time and the only time I ran a half marathon, I had similar fears and I was similarly unprepared. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> but we had, um, you know, I had the benefit of the passion so that, that's a, a really strong point that we bring up from the very first conversation with people. You know, there's got to be enough passion around the subject. I know it's very trendy to write books, but if you're not passionate, like you say, if you're not passionate about your business, you're not going to be very successful. If you're not passionate about your book, it's not going to get done or it's not going to be very good. So luckily I had that going for me. Uh, but every now and then, you know, this, this fear and doubt and rejection and you know, just, just total self-deprecation would rear its head. And I, I'd think, oh, you know, I can't, maybe all these folks are right. You know, it doesn't deserve to be in print, blah, blah, blah. But then at some point, uh, I just thought, enough, it has to be in print. I don't care what other people say. It's too important. And I didn't want to go to my grave with it still inside me. So I had to stop listening to all these so-called experts because after all, it's just their opinion. That's really interesting. It's just their opinion. That's kind of a game changer. If you can wrap your head around that, that I think is so powerful. And I, I think we all go through that journey in business as well. You know, you kind of go through that imposter syndrome. We, we've seen it documented so many times, but you know, the early days, sometimes you do feel like, why, why am I qualified to be doing this? And it's a really interesting scenario, especially when you write a book, I would imagine. I certainly found it with the podcast and when you do spook, speaking engagements, but you're opening yourself up to, to, wow, to criticism, aren't you? And that's a really scary thing. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it is. Criticism, you know, I, I always say to people, they're, they're thinking, you know, will anybody buy the book? But they're actually scared that people might buy it and read it and not like it. Um, so they, they, they want to sell books. They want that out there. But at the same time, they're thinking, but what if they, people actually do read it and they don't like it? And of course, what they're really thinking is they don't like me because, you know, people identify so much with the content of the book. And if you do pour yourself into a book, 
if you do put personal ideas and insights and experiences and your feelings, you are exposing yourself. And it's not really an option to write a book and not do that. So I think people do know what they're getting themselves into, Mark. That, that again, really, really curious. You're right. People associate themselves with, with their output. And you're right. They take it as a personal slight. We all, we all do at the end of the day. It's just the way that a lot of us are wired up. And let's just talk about the people that you get coming to you as the book midwife. So coming to you as the company, yep. wanting that coaching, because we're all sat here running small business and working in small business. What is your typical client, if you like? What's their situation? What's their mindset? What are their goals? What do they look like? Mm, that's easy because um, about 90% of the clients we work with are owners, business owners, or founders, or solopreneurs. But basically, they either are the business or they started the business. So they, as I said a moment ago, they do identify with the message and the story and the business. And they kind of control the outcome and the goals that their business has. And Many, many times, if, if it's your baby, then the business goals are closely aligned with your personal goals. I'm sure this has been covered many times on the show. You know, you put a book out there, it's reflecting on you as well as the business and the business messages. So, you know, they're intertwined. I think what happens when people come here is uh, they finally got themselves to that point where they want to leave a legacy. So we tend to find older clients. I haven't done a survey recently, but my guess would be the average uh, age of our clients is about 45, maybe 48. And so they have something to share. They, they have experiences and insights, as I say, they've been through something, they've overcome something. And we tend to help them with a book that uh, educates as well as inspires. And, you know, it's that legacy. Yeah. I would imagine that's that's the case for many of us. You know, we want to feel like when we set up business, we want to have an impact or we want to solve a problem or help people. And for me, it feels like an extension of that when I'm considering the book that I'm kind of kind of pondering and looking to start putting together. It just feels an extension of everything that I've done so far. And it feels like a summation of all those different pieces coming together. And do people tend to come with you, to, sorry, come to you with, fully formed ideas or do you have to help them, you know, glean the information from How does that typically flow out? You know, what's the, what's the situation in terms of the ideas that people have? Well, it's, uh, it's ideal when they come to us and they have not gone down a particularly narrow path or, or, you know, the worst, the worst case is where they say, right, here's my outline. And then I think, oh gosh, you know, what are you here for? Because the best work that we do with people is helping them figure things out. You know, what is it that they should put in this book? Because there's lots of things we could put in a book. What should be put in? What should be left out? What's the main message? What's the best message considering today's market and your specific market? And we take a look at it from lots of different angles, what they want to achieve, what clients they want to attract. We bring the market information. So I've now touched a thousand manuscripts. So I know a little bit about what might do well in the market. I can never promise, but it's putting all of that together. So their ideas, my market intelligence, and we use coaching questions to pull out the very best ideas. And um, I love it when people trust us and they come to us with a blank 
I was going to say a blank head is not. They have a lot of ideas in the head, but we use a blank sheet of paper to begin with, and we fill it in together, and we we do the structure and the framework and the outline together. And then, you know, that that's brilliant when people can have help at that stage because it's, it's almost like, um, you know, going along to the hairdresser and saying, well, I've, I've cut the, the sides and, and the front, you know, so can you just fix it up a bit? No, not always. Um, or, or, you know, building, starting to build your house and then saying, well, I think I better get the architect involved. You know, we like being involved from the very, very beginning. Where I think we can do our best work. Yeah, that, that's a really good analogy. And, and, and really randomly, I know someone that cuts his own hair. Big <laughs> shout out to uh, big shout out to Dan. See you tomorrow. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, if you're okay, if you know what you're doing, that's fine. But most people don't. <laughs> Mindy doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. We'll stick a picture of him in the show notes. That'll, that'll, uh, <laughs> that'll, he'll love that. <laughs> so let's talk about the, the next stages specifically around how you coach people, I guess in that confidence arena, because that I would imagine is the biggest barrier to overcome. And is there a scenario that ever plays out where you get, you know, um, someone that's particularly guarded and they perhaps, you know, they start working on something. You can tell that it's not quite what they want to say, but they can't quite get it out. Is that a scenario that does occur? And how do you move past that if that is the case? Well, we're famous for having lots and lots of coaching questions. It is a book coaching business and my background is coaching as well as marketing. So we have 105 questions that we ask at different times during the process. Some of them we have to ask multiple times. So it, it really is a question of coaxing the information out, but also coaxing the spirit of the thing, if that makes any sense. The, um, you know, that's the best way I can describe it, because when somebody's fearful, you know, they don't really know if it's going to work, they don't know how it's going to be received, or they simply don't know how to put it across. There's always a way for them to do it. It's interesting, Mark, that you... Um, you think we coach on confidence. I think what we do is we, we coach and mentor and, and guide people in the area of clarity. And as that clarity uh, improves and, and they get a better picture of what it is that they're sharing and um, the wealth of their wisdom and knowledge, that builds confidence. And so a lot of people wait until they, have, until they feel confident before starting their book. But the irony is that working with a process like ours, the book starts to come together and that gives them a feeling of confidence. And we see that over and over again. So that's what makes me proudest is, you know, we get all sorts of people who thought they could never write. They were told they could never write from really helpful teachers in primary school, uh, <laughs> dyslexic, whatever excuse, you know, I don't have any time. I don't have any ideas. I have too many ideas. And one by one, we just deal with all those things and the book emerges and, you know, it's really fantastic. I really buy into that idea of the clarity developing the confidence because it, it kind of equates to a, a similar journey in the podcasting world. If you think about people that are setting up a podcast, so many people get stymied by um, waiting until they're ready. And mm -hmm. When you think about it, especially in the podcast arena or even like Periscope or YouTube or whatever, the the odds that you're going to go crazy on numbers so early on is, is very, very high. You know, you're not going to get the massive numbers. So 
by developing the process through actually putting live content out, you get the clarity, you get the confidence through that. So I, I'm, I'm seeing how that works in, in the book world. I'm seeing how you guys work through that. Now, how does it tend to work with, with the coaching side of things? Is it one-to-one? Is it group stuff? Is it a mixture of both? How does that tend to, to sit? It depends. We offer everything. We have everything from no touch, um, online only, all the way through to one-to-one, very intensive, you know, several times a week, coaches on your back, I mean, holding your hand. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's lots of different levels and we aim to pick the best one with the client, the one that they feel comfortable. I mean, one of the first questions we always ask is, would you like to work with a coach one-to-one or would you prefer the group scenario? Because some people really prefer the group. And we take a look at what they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, somebody who has uh, not a lot of confidence, not a lot of time and an aggressive goal to get a book out, you know, early next year or whatever we will strongly suggest that they do a more intensive program because obviously, you know, they have the, the better track record. We have a hundred percent track record with the private programs. And that means somebody who has signed up for a private program, uh, doesn't quit the program, <laughs> puts their eight hours in a week approximately and follows the process a hundred percent of the time we have the book done within 90 days. Wow. That is that is amazing. And the, the reason I asked that question is that they're, they're some of the excuses. They're some of the reasons that we give ourselves. And I wanted to figure out about, you know, the different formats that the coaching comes in because I'd say the same thing. Oh, I'm too busy. That's absolute rubbish. It's just theoretically not important enough to me to make time for, which is crazy. And one of the, 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 the biggest things that I would, I would imagine crops up is, well, the format's not right for me, which is why I wanted to dig into that because so many of us listening to this, so many of us, you know, driving to work, getting inspired by this, we can take all those reasons away. We can take all of the excuses away because the formats that you work with seem to fit for everyone, which is fantastic. And you mentioned the 90 days there. Mm-hmm. Is that an average life cycle for, I guess, for your coaching program, but on the whole, for putting a book together in your experience, what is that kind of life cycle like? Oh, I mean, if somebody's not working with the book midwife, they will spend on average 15 months putting a book together. And that's the average. Wow. Uh, yeah. That I, I would say we save people a year on average. Uh, we didn't always work this way. When I first started out 14 years ago, it was very much ad hoc. It was just, it'll take as long as it takes. Uh, I then had... Uh, a year-long program, a group version and a private one, but I found a year was too much time and too much space for people to, you know, hide and get lost and, you know, make excuses and quit and whatever. So then it, it shrank to six months, which was better, but then we hit on the 90 days about mm, eight years ago, maybe, and we've been doing it that way ever since, it, to the point where if somebody won't put the time in. So the only way it won't happen within 90 days is if somebody won't or really can't put eight hours a week into the book, you know, four little sessions of two hours doing exactly what we've agreed in those sessions. If, if, if they can't find that time, well, we, we, can't, we can't put them on one of our programs. They can still do our online programs. They can work at their own pace, but our coaching programs are all 90 days in length because that is what's best for the book. And if you want the best possible book, 
you don't want to stretch it out over six months, 12 months, 15 months. Uh, it'll be too disjointed, fragmented. Things will change. You'll lose your you lose your will to live, to be honest. You'll lose your, you know, the plot. Um, you don't want to do it in a short time, like over a weekend or a week, because I think that's too short. You'll get a snapshot of your thinking and it'll be done and you'll think, oh, I should have put that. And So this gives it enough space to breathe. It's one of the phrases we use here. And yet there's still enough momentum and there's enough energy around it so that it gets done in that quite short period of time and uh it's punchy and it's it's just the best thing for the book well that's come from a lot of a lot of experience and i guess research into your customers on your side as well so that that's a really confident giving thing from someone that's you know looking at this kind of work with you you know you've got the track record you've got the experience you know the format so it it would it would appear that all of the pain that we associate with writing that first book you know all of that mystery that kind of where do I go next? What do I do now? What's the first thing that I do? That's constantly removed. So it's very obvious that you guys know how to do this. And what I'd like to do now is just move move it up a gear, just change into the actionable tips mode. Because I know you've put together, Mindy, three fantastic tips for people that may be thinking about putting the first book together, maybe already just kind of started on that path and don't really know where they're going. So let's dig in to actionable tip number one, please. Okay. Actionable tip number one is you must learn to push your thinking so that you can deliver better ideas to your market. So what do I mean by push your thinking? Uh, well, I just discovered, um, having worked in the thought leadership area for the past seven or eight years, that most people don't put a lot of thought into things. Um, it's ironic because, you know, we're talking about thought leadership but the, people are just throwing things together. You may have noticed this as well, Mark. You know, they throw together articles, blogs, social media posts without too much thought, um, podcasts, videos, it, content. Uh, it's a word that drives me crazy because it's not about just getting content out there. Pushing your thinking means putting more thought and the right kind of thought and the rigorous thought processes like the ones that we've developed in my companies and putting those to work to achieve something that, that really is original and exciting, maybe even groundbreaking and thought leading. And then you can put something very special out into the market. I think I struggle with that so much. You know, you want to, you know, when you see the shiny object syndrome, you kind of think, right, I'm going to put this new piece of content out. I've had a great idea. You instantly want to get it out. And you know that if you sit on it, or if you develop it, it's going to end up so much better. I love the phrase that you mentioned earlier, Mindy, which was, you know, if you do things too quickly, they become a snapshot of your thoughts, mm. which I think is really interesting. That That's something I can really, really learn from. So on a personal note, thank you for that. Oh, and okay. let's shift on to actionable tip number two, please. Okay, so this is something that's worded in, um, in a thought bite <laughs> format, which is something that I developed for the new book, The Thoughtful Leader. Uh, and so we use these quotes, you know, we quote ourselves. <laughs> so I give, give everybody permission to quote themselves, not just famous people. Okay, <laughs> actionable tip number two. There is wisdom at the intersection of your knowledge, your passion, and your client's needs. So your knowledge, your passion, and your client's needs, if you imagine those as three circles and they're all intersecting, that's where your wisdom lies 
Because if it doesn't match your client's needs, they won't see it as wisdom. The one curiosity with that is the word passion in there as well. Because mm-hmm. we've all got knowledge and we all assume that we know what our clients want to a degree. Mm. But I always find that businesses that do the very, very best continually drive themselves forward through interest, enjoyment, you know, the, the kind of cliched passion, if you like. But you need to have the self-motivation to push that forward. And the knowledge and the client's needs aren't enough for that. And I think that passion, like especially for small business owners and entrepreneurs, you, you just sometimes forget that, don't you? You forget why you're doing it. Yeah, and it's about expressing that passion. Of course, we work in, in the area of writing and publishing, so it, it's so easy to just churn something out. I mean, I had an article deadline yesterday, and I, I thought, I'll just take something that I've done and I'll tweak. And I said, no, come on, this is, this is going to be something that people will be reading and you know, hoping will change their life. You can't do them that disservice of just whacking something out there. So I had to just sit myself down in the chair and feel the passion around the subject. It doesn't take long. I took two, three minutes to ground myself. Then I wrote it and, and it flowed a lot better and you know, a lot more passionate. I like that. I like that you, you grounded yourself and took the time out to do that. I, I struggle with that personally. I, I, I would love to do more blogging and I find it really difficult to center myself around First of all, creating the space, but then center myself around a particular topic and really get into the mindset for that. How do you do that? How do you step away from it all? You need to do what we call the inspiration session. Uh, we pitch it, um, or maybe a little bit too much in the new book, in the Thoughtful Leader, but that's the thing that we that we do best. That, that's you know the, the whole team is geared up around pulling your best ideas together in a in a coherent and cohesive way. So we can chat offline about that. That's it. That's what everybody should do before they do any kind of content planning or anything is, is have a thought leadership strategy. And that's what we find is missing for most people. Um, so it, thought leadership strategy, by the way, does include passion. Um, and that, that's what makes the difference. People don't realize it. They're like, oh, that's exciting. But they don't know why. It's because... The, the creator of that content was willing to include the passion. I like that. It was willing to include the passion. That's going in the quote. You, permission to quote yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, let's dig into the third and final actionable tip then, please. Okay. So actionable tip number three. So real thought leaders are out there writing and publishing. Get a plan together and get writing now, I would say that we've spent the whole time encouraging people to, to get writing. And I hope that they understood the, the underlying point that you and I have been making, which is about getting a plan together. And it's in that order. Get a plan together and get writing. First you plan, then you write. And if people are feeling inspired and feel, yeah, maybe I could do this. If you need help with the planning, there is help available. I use the term real thought leaders and real is an acronym uh, that I first brought out in my book, 24 Karat Bold. And R-E-A-L stands for, stands for a lot of things. It stands for reach, engagement, authority, and longevity. So when I say real thought leaders, I mean thought leaders who are doing all four things. They've got kind of all four cogs turning, and they can get some real traction with their writing and publishing. There's a way to do it. Most people are, are 
just thinking about it and not doing any of it. <laughs> I hope the listeners are feeling inspired to do something. And, um, and then if they want to be a real thought leader, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Do something, just get started, get starting with the planning. I, I think that is so vital. I feel that there's so much that people miss around planning, you know, myself included. I think we all fall into that. So I think that's a really useful tip. Mindy, that has been such a fantastic episode. And before we wrap up, tell us two things. First of all, tell us what you've got going on right now. You mentioned the new book. And second, tell people where they can connect with you online, please. Absolutely. The Thoughtful Leader is the name of the new book. So we've taken thought leadership and taken it to a new level. And I think it's it's really worth having that conversation because thought leadership, you know, the term's been abused. So please think about being a thoughtful leader. If you want to know how to do it, you can get the book on Kindle, uh, paperback, all 50 different countries, Amazon stores, wherever. Um, so we're really excited about that. I'm doing the inspiration sessions every week. I've got uh, some coming up with clients and that's a half a day session dedicated to figuring out exactly what your message is and exactly what content you're going to put out there and be passionate about how to connect with me uh, at Mindy GK on Twitter at book midwife, which is my other one. I'm trying to keep both going and uh, at Mindy GK is really more about thought leadership at book midwife is our book stuff. Uh, Bookmidwife.com is one of our websites where you can figure out you know, what you need, what help you may need and some tips and get inspired by people who've been there and done it. I love it. Thank you so much, Mindy. Thanks for doing that. Honestly, that's been such a good chat. I've really enjoyed that. Good. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And guys, don't forget everything that myself and Mindy have spoken about will be available at, you know it, excellence-expected.com. Now, something a little new for you. Every Friday at lunchtime, I'm going to ask you to do something. Go and grab a coffee or a nice cup of English tea or green tea. I like green tea at the minute. And pull up Periscope on your phone, 12 p.m. UK time, because I'm going to be putting together a new 15-minute small business Periscope show called the Small Business Lunch. Now, it keeps the same format as Excellence Expected. It will allow you to define, challenge, and conquer a specific topic. But the topic is driven by you guys. It's something that I've been asked during the week, something that someone's mentioned to me has been a challenge for them, and I'm going to overcome those with you. So that's every Friday, 12 p.m. UK, over on Periscope at Mr. Asquith. And the replays will be available at excellence-expected.com. Can't wait to see you there. And until next time, guys, thanks for listening. And don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye.